in every situation, there is something to be thankful for. There is something to complain about. And it all depends on what you're looking at. He goes on to say, in, uh, skip down to verse 13. You can see what he's talking about here. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. This is the difference. This is the difference between us and the rest of this world. The rest of this world feels, therefore they speak. The rest of this world sees, therefore they speak. Not us. We do not live by what we see. We do not live by what we feel. We live and walk by faith. We live by what we believe, not what we see, what we believe. We believe, therefore we speak. And we believe something regardless of what it looks like. We believe the word regardless of what it feels like. And I speak not according to what I see and feel, but according to what I believe. This is when Thanksgiving begins to come out of your mouth. I'm sorry to inform you, you've got a really bad diagnosis here and there's nothing else we can do about it. That's what you see, that's what you feel. What do you believe? Huh? Because if you will believe the word, then you will believe that by his stripes you were healed and if you were healed, then you are healed. And even just on the heels of you've got something terminal, what can come out of your mouth? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking stripes on your back. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking all my sin, condemnation, and shame. Because of what you did, I'm free. Because of what you did, I'm righteous. Because of what you did, I am healed in Jesus' name. Thankful, 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 thankful. Overflowing with it. And it takes a crazy person to overflow with thanksgiving when they've been given a bad diagnosis. He said, we believe, therefore we speak. Now notice what this is connected to. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus, will present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound, to overflow to the glory of God. Now verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Do you notice that? Our light affliction. What's he talking about? Being hard pressed on every side. Being, being uh, perplexed. Being persecuted. Being struck down. You know what he called all of that? Light affliction. Sometimes that's what you got to say to problems. Say what? Come on, say it with me. What's that mean? It means whatever I'm facing isn't even worthy of an actual word. He called it light affliction. Notice this. Our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look, are you paying attention? We do not look at the things which are seen, 
but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I told you in every situation, there are two things that you can be looking at. You can be looking at the problem, and if you are, you're going to overflow with complaining. You can be looking at Jesus, and if you are, you're going to overflow with thanksgiving. And here he's telling you what the difference is between those two things. He's saying, we do not look at the things that are seen, because those things are temporary. We look at the things that are not seen, because that's what's eternal. If you are busy all the time looking at what you can see, what you can feel, then you are going to be constantly complaining about it. But if you will learn to look at the unseen, look at what you can't see, look over into eternity, you will have something to be thankful for. And this is why he said, look, the outward man, this stuff, this flesh, he said, it's perishing. And that fact alone, this is what you can see, right? You can see the outward man. That fact alone has got people so depressed. The fact that the outward man is perishing. I don't care how old or young you are. This outward man, this outward being is on its way out. The outward man is perishing. And I'm telling you, it's got people so depressed. It's got people so upset. They look in the mirror and it doesn't look the same that it did 20 years ago. This is why it's a multi-billion dollar industry trying to fix this thing and improve this thing and nip this and tuck that and work this out and diet that. And I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but you've got to understand this thing's perishing. This thing is already on its way out. I know about three years ago, I crossed over that threshold from 30s to 40s. And I love being in my 40s. I think it's great. I will tell you, I've noticed a few differences. <laughs> One of the big things I've noticed in my 40s is I can see my eyebrows. I'm not talking about in the mirror. I'm talking about just looking out these eyeballs. Oh, there they are because they just started growing all weird and wonky. And that's just the hair right here, not to mention the stuff coming out the ears and the nose. And it's like, what's this about? Why do I need an ear full of hair? God, what's the deal? There's all kinds of stuff that's new and different about this age of life. But I'm gonna tell you something, it's nothing to be depressed about. Huh? Why? Because I got an inward man. His eyebrows look good. I got an inward man and he is in good shape. I got an inward man that doesn't have to wear these coats that cover this belly that just sort of wants to <laughs> fold over the waistline. Whatever, 40s. But I got an inward man. Somebody say, I got an inward man. See, we're developing these characters right now for our children's ministry. We've got outward man and inward man. The adventures of outward man and inward man. An outward man, he's just sluggish. He's kind of lazy. He's always depressed. He's always complaining. But then you got inward man who's always up and thankful and strong and encouraged and encouraging. Outward man and inward man. Which one are you looking at? Because if all you're doing is looking at outward man, you're going to have plenty. Let me change that. I would have plenty to complain about. But the inward man, 
The inward man's being renewed day by day. Church, if we could ever learn to look into the invisible, learn to see into the unseen, into what's eternal, into this exceeding and eternal weight of glory that's working in us, that's working for us, let the pressure come. Let the, let, let the questions come. Let the persecution come. Yeah, maybe they do, they do knock you down, but you're not knocked out. You're not destroyed. You're not crushed because of this exceeding and eternal weight of glory working in you. That's something to be thankful for. I said, that's something to be thankful for. Praise break. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for this, this weight of glory working in us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, glory to God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we thank you, church. Listen to me. When the pressure's on, it's going to crush you unless you got something in you that's pushing back. When you got questions, it's going to depress you unless you begin to meditate on what you do know. I do know I got a savior. I do know I have a healer. I do know I have a deliverer. I've got a God that loves me and he's for me. He's not against me. He's working in me and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is how you pull yourself up. This is how you pull yourself out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Sit down. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Musicians, you guys begin to come. I want you to go with me back to the Old Testament. I want to give you a good example of this. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving and praise is the faith response to any attack. Thanksgiving and praise is the faith response to any attack. What are you looking at? Thank you, Lord. Second <clears throat> Chronicles chapter 20. I want to read nearly this whole thing to you. It's a powerful story. It says in verse 1, this is about King Jehoshaphat. And yes, that is fat with a PH. <laughs> Literally. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Is this pressure? Oh, yeah. And it's not just pressure from one direction. He's got it coming from all sides. Two or three or more countries all decided that they're coming for Jehoshaphat. They're coming for Judah. Verse 2, some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and Syria. And they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Yeti. And Jehoshaphat feared, and listen to this, and set himself to seek the Lord. This is the right response right here. Man, when you've got feelings of fear and that spirit of fear trying to work in you, trying to settle on you because of the pressure that's come against you, this is what you do right here. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Can you imagine that? It's hard for you and I to imagine that a king, it'd be like our president coming on TV and saying, you know, Russia and China and Iran and Turkey and, and all these nations have decided to attack the United States. It'd be like our president going, let's all pray. See, you can't even, <laughs> you're like, doesn't even make sense to you. But that's what's happening here. The, the leader of the nation is saying, let's, 
Let's fast. Let's set ourselves to seek the Lord. And that's what they did. He proclaimed a fast. Verse 4, Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, now listen to this prayer. Of all the prayers in all the Bible, this one is one of my absolute favorites. Listen to his prayer. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Oh, what's he doing? Hmm? What's he doing? Is he, is he talking about the problem? Is he, he's talking about the pressure. Talking about all the persecution and the people right, that are coming against him. No, what does he start doing? He starts talking about how big and bad his God is. He starts talking about all these good things, great things that God has done. He starts magnifying God. And this is what the psalmist said, come magnify the Lord. Now we've talked about this before, but when you magnify something, people, I ask them that, I say, well, what happens when you magnify? And they say, well, it gets bigger. And that's not really true. When you magnify something, you're not actually changing its size. You're just changing how big it is to you. You're just changing how big it is in your eyes. So as we magnify God, we're not making God bigger. He's already as big as big gets. He's just getting bigger to us. He's just getting bigger in our eyes. And Jehoshaphat is just magnifying God, making God bigger and bigger in his eyes. He said in verse 7, Are you not God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwelt in it, and you built you a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine. Sounds like pressure, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. He said, if it comes upon us, we will stand before this temple in your presence for your name is in this temple and we will cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. He says in verse 10, now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. He said, they're coming for our land. You gave us this land, Lord, and they're coming for it. They're coming to try to take away what you gave us. And he said in verse 11, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Listen, are you ready for this? Listen. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Man, that statement right there. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Does that not sound like perplexed? Is this pressure coming against them? Are they perplexed? What do we do about this? 
This is like three or four countries versus one. What are we going to do? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In every situation, there are two things you can be looking at. You can be looking at the problem or you can be looking at your father. You can be looking at the pressure or you can be looking at Jesus. What is he saying here? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It says in verse 13, now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. And I want you to notice what happened as a result of this prayer. Verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah and the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah and a Levite, the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They'll surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you'll be able to find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will, I love it, verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Come on, this is a good word. I said, this is a good word. In the middle of this pressure, in response to this attack, they set themselves to seek the Lord. They're fasting, they're praying, and here comes this word of the Lord. When Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I'm not, I'm not looking at these countries coming to attack. I'm not looking at them coming to steal what you gave me. My eyes are on you. Your life is following the direction you're looking in. And they get this word from the Lord that says, you're not going to fight. The Lord's going to fight this battle for you. And listen to how they responded to it. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. All Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. This is what you do. When you get a word from God like this, this is what you do. And how you respond to that word indicates whether or not you believe it. If the word of the Lord comes to you saying, you're not going to have to fight this fight, and you worship and praise, that means you believed it. But if the word of the Lord comes to you and says, you're not going to have to fight this fight, and you say, oh, really? Who's going to fight it? What do you want me to do? Stand still? Yes. I can't stand still. I got to fight. I got to get some more help. How you respond to the word dictates and demonstrates what you believe about it. It says the Levites, verse 19, the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up and to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, now listen to this, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is so cool. You ready for this? Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in the Lord and you'll be established. You'll be fixed. They won't be able to take you out of what God has given you if you'll believe him. So when he gives you this word that says, I'm going to fight for you, you still have to believe it. And if you'll believe that word, you'll be established. Believe in the Lord your God. You'll be established. Believe his promise 
his prophets and you will prosper. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, you know you're a crazy people, borderline crazy people. When you are going out and there's three armies coming against you and you know who you send out first? The band. That don't make sense. That does not compute with this natural way of thinking. And if you have your eyes on the pressure that's coming against you, you don't send the band out, do you? Huh? You don't send guitars, you send guns. Huh? You don't, you don't send singers, you send, you send spears. But not these crazy people. No, they got a word from God. And their word from God said, I'm going to fight for you. So what's left to do? Huh? If you believe this word, what's the right response? No, listen, listen. Thank you. If you believe that word, the response is, thank you. Oh, hey, it's, it's fine. It's okay, everybody. It's okay. God's fighting for us. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I thought we were going to have to fight this fight. Woohoo! that was close. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for going out to fight for us. Thank you. We're just going to stand still and watch you fight. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. As a matter of fact, we're just going to send the band out there. Matter of fact, all you singers, all you players, come on up. Y'all just begin to praise the Lord. What you want us to sing? Sing that one about his mercy. Oh, he is good and his mercy endures. He is good and his mercy endures. Now, I don't know how the band felt about this. <laughs> because normally they're singing and playing after the victory. All but faith people don't wait till it's done to start thanking God. They start thanking God. They go into thank you mode as soon as the attack is on. As soon as the pressure comes, they start thanking. They start praising God. And they sent all these praisers out and all these men and women thanking God and praising God and worshiping God. And this story goes on to say that when they began to praise God, God began to fight for them. And these armies that had gotten together to attack Judah, all of a sudden, they start fighting each other. They start thinking, I don't like you. Yeah, and I don't like you either. And these two armies start going at each other till they, they, sorry, these two armies turned on one. They slaughtered that whole army. And then all of a sudden, these two thought, well, I don't like you much either. They all killed each other. And by the time the praisers and the people of Judah showed up, they stood out there and it was nothing but a field full of dead bodies. God had gone to fight for them. They did not have to fight. And it all started when they began to praise and thank God. And on top of all that, they went down there and the Bible said they were three days bringing back the spoils of all the gold and the silver and the jewels. I don't know why these three armies decided to go fight with their Rolex on and... <laughs> gold in their pockets and covered in diamonds. I don't know why these guys thought this was a good day to bring all their most costly, valuable stuff, but they did. And there was so much of it that it took three days to bring all this stuff back. 
What happens when you believe his, prof his prophets? You will prosper. Even when you don't know what to do. What do you say? We don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.